Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in with us today. My name is Key McKay. I'm an entrepreneur, coach, and founder of GrowWithKey.com. Today, I have with me Mary Strong, who is an amazing marketing strategist based out of Canada, and we're just going to bring her on into the conversation and pick her brain as much as possible today. So, Mary, why don't you get started by telling us what got you into marketing strategy of all things? Well, hi, everyone, and um, thank you, Key, for inviting me to have this conversation with you. I actually resisted becoming a marketing strategist uh, because I feel like it has a marketing has a bit of a bad reputation, and it's also something that I've personally found difficult uh, in my career as an entrepreneur. But um, I evolved myself into it through um, trial and error, and really. I, I am a planner. I love to help people plan, but I also feel like it's so important for people to take action on their plans. And marketing is the one thing uh, I feel that trips people up. They're really, really good at what they do in their business, but sometimes marketing is a mystery. And um, all of these things kind of came together for me and uh, I became, I, I, I was doing marketing strategy before I called myself a marketing strategist. And eventually I got through that kind of mind block, I guess, or mindset issue and embraced the fact that I do in fact help people with their marketing strategy. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I have so many questions for you, but I'm going to try to go pace myself so that we can okay. go very well. Um, in terms of, I guess, I don't want to say this new breed of entrepreneurs that we're seeing in the marketplace, but with COVID happening and so many people being forced to make a decision, am I going to go back to get another nine to five or am I going to just follow my dreams? And I feel like we're seeing a lot of marketing, branding specialists popping up in the marketplace. And for me, it's like, how do you foolproof full who is actually um, real and who was fake because there is a lot of noise as I like to call it going on on the internet about marketing and so many people like hey buy my course and buy this buy that buy that in my line of work what I get is a lot of people getting frustrated like hey I bought the course and I followed the steps um, and then I realized it was a fluff and so what what would you say to entrepreneurs who are like okay I need a marketer and I need a delegate what should they be looking for when they go to hire in the marketing strategist I think it's really important to understand, do you need someone to help you create your overall marketing strategy? Or do you need someone who is an expert in a specific uh, marketing strategy? So I personally tend to help people with their overall marketing strategy so then they can go out and find the right person to help them um, or to learn from someone uh, who is already uh, doing it. It is really tricky when you're trying to find someone because usually people have testimonials on their page and it really seems like um, they can help people get results. So if you can, um, reach out to that person and ask someone, ask to have someone um, speak with you that's actually gone through the program. To, so you can ask questions or even ask questions 
to that person who's offering that program themselves. Um, I think what you really want to keep um, in mind, and this is where I got tripped up at the beginning, and so maybe this will help uh, your listeners, is um, within the program itself, are they going to tell you exactly what to do and you have to follow it to get the results? Or is it customizable to your business? They're providing you a framework that you follow, but you really personalize it um, to your business. That will help um, reduce the likelihood that what um, they're asking you to do won't work. It will increase the likelihood that it will because you're able to tailor it to, to you in your business. For the, for the person just starting out in business, what would you say is the right time to start to look for a marketer? Obviously there's phases in business like, okay, at this point you need a lawyer, at this point you need a graphic designer. At what point do you say that an entrepreneur or a business owner is in a stable enough place that they can hire a brand a marketing strategist or even a brand strategist for that matter? Uh, for me, I think it's really important that they know they have a vision in place. They know what they're wanting to create um, and what they want that to look like, uh, not just for their business, but for their life. Um, and then I think it's also important that they have a really good idea of what they're offering, what it looks like, and get some, you know, experience offering that. And that doesn't have to be a long experience, but it needs to be enough that they know the process, they know that it's working for, for people, um, and it can be, you know, you, there's different ways that you can get that experience. Then I think a marketer can help you or a marketing strategist or a brand strategist can help you um, take it to the next level, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, so with me, for example, in my line of work, when usually when my clients are coming to me, they're working professionals looking to transition out of the workforce and into becoming an entrepreneur. And we go through this process of creating your vision, um, planning out what that would look like and the steps you need to take to get there. But oftentimes it's very hard to convince or even advise an entrepreneur to say, you don't need to try to do everything yourself. One, because you're going to burn yourself out. There's a lot of entrepreneurs, and I'm going to speak from personal experience, where in the beginning it was like I didn't have the money. And so it was like I had to do everything myself. That wasn't a choice. Um, but then it came time that when I started to make the money and I could delegate, I had been doing it so long myself that it was like, this is my baby. I don't want to give this to somebody else. How do I trust them? They um, are two to three steps that entrepreneurs and business owners can take to one, avoid burnout. And two, if maybe they fell into that trap of business burnout to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, to avoid burnout... Uh, here's, I'll kind of go at from a scenario. And one of the scenarios that causes burnout is people jump into action without stopping and understanding why they're going to do what they're going to do and um, really have a strategy in place. When there is no strategy, they, it's kind of like spaghetti on the wall. You're just throwing things out there to see what works. 
And if, and I believe in experimentation and we have to try things to see if it will work or not, but that's a different energy than just like, I'm going to have a blog and I'm going to have a podcast and then I'm going to convert that to a video show, you know, a YouTube show, all of these things. It's too much. Um, so um, if you can take the time, stop, take the time, invest the time and the energy into um, in creating that strategy before you jump into the marketing activities, that's going to um, save you <laughs> a whole lot of heartache and um, burnout and, and fatigue. The other scenario I would say um, that contributes to burnout is when you do try to follow someone else's steps and you're really um, work, either working overtime or you're working against yourself in that what, you're, what they're asking you to do doesn't really feel good inside um, or it brings you the wrong type of client or customer and you have customer service issues. They're draining. Um, you know, they are difficult. They don't do the work that you ask them to do. That can cause a burnout as well. So it's really important to know how you're positioning yourself in your marketing so that you attract the right people that want what you have the way you offer it and are a pleasure to work with. And I know you asked me two questions. If you, I think I've forgotten the second one. So I'll have to ask you to repeat it. No, that's perfectly fine. So the second part of the question was for the business owners who find themselves in that trap of burning out, of getting burned out. How do they get out of that? Yeah. What are some steps that they can take? Sure. Um, okay. So if you are teetering on the brink of burnout, that's different than if you are truly burnt out. And the, the, and people are probably not going to like to hear this, but my, you have to, you have to stop. If you are burnt out, you need to stop and recover. You will not, if your adrenal gland, you know, if you're to the point where your adrenals are burnt out, that is not, you're just not going to have the ability to do what it takes to turn your business around. And you can try, but um, you're not going to, I just, you're not going to get the traction and you're not going to get the results that you're looking for. You have to take care of yourself first uh, and get healthy again and then go on. And again, I know that's hard to hear. Um, but for the people who are, you know, realizing, listen, I'm working way too hard. I'm maybe not getting the results that I want or I am getting the results. I'm getting results, but it's costing me my health, my relationships. You know, this is not the you know, especially for your people who are probably leaving corporate to escape the rat race and the, you know, that whole, you know, it might be starting to feel a little bit familiar um, and, and you're kind of like got to put the brakes on. Um, it is important to stop and really, and, and again, that's hard to hear because you need to stop and breathe and take stock of where you're at and um, what's, see if you can figure out what is causing you to, you know, be working so hard. Um, 
I have a, you know, I have an assessment that people can take and that can give them some clarity, but certainly um, they could look at doing a, a, a tool, using a tool like the, um, you know, the wheel of life, if they, you know, could break down their business into different business categories and just rate, you know, what's happening or how they're feeling in each one. That might be a, a great, um, if they're, you know, that's something they would be um, interested in doing. You have to get a, a handle on what's going on and why you're working so hard. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Um, you said a very important thing, and that's self-care. I feel like as entrepreneurs, we have this mindset of, go-getters we we want to do like we have certain goals and we want to get there and we want to achieve these goals and sometimes in the mix of doing that um i find that people who even the ones that come from corporate america they're like listen i want to get away from somebody having total control of my life they then turn around and become basically a slave to your own business a slave to your computer where you're sitting there all day and you're just working non-stop trying to get the next deal trying to get the next client um what are some practical steps that they should be taking to one not even find themselves in, the, in that position where you're coming from a, a place where you don't like being burned out and falling right back into that trap or even if you find yourself in that place and you're there right now to get out of it yes okay so um i'm just going to tell you a little bit about how i do this and then hopefully listeners can get some ideas out of this um, I have two non-negotiables every day, every work day. One is that I walk around the block. Two is that I eat healthy. And before I start, unless I have an early morning appointment, I start my day making sure that I will be able to eat healthy every day. That means I know what I'm going to have for lunch and I make it if I don't have leftovers. Um, and... Um, before, and then I have my walk around the, or if I need groceries, I don't have food in the house, I will go and get groceries so that I have healthy food to eat. This is something um, I've had to learn because I will work all day if I don't um, stop and, or, or I'll stop, and, but if I don't have something that I can take out of the fridge and eat, then I'm gonna just pick away at you know snacks and that's not really good for me either. The walk around the block, same thing. It's good to get out. And um, after that, I, um, I use a system where I have four other priorities for work and I work on one until I finish. And if I can't finish it that day, that's okay. I move it over to the next day's four priorities and I copy the rest over and I've numbered them. So. Um, it's about choosing what is a priority for you. If it is um, um, eating healthy or if it's exercising, how do you make sure that those get in your calendar and that you're honoring those commitments to yourself? Uh, structure is something that is really um, interesting to talk about with entrepreneurs, uh, especially creatives. Um, and with a nine to with someone like you who comes from a corporate background, they're more used to having a nine to five day, but they also may be used to working 40 plus 
hours a week. So how do you form new habits of clocking out at a certain time every day? Um, and that really, it's, it's a bit challenging to find, you know, blanket, you know, it's going to work for everybody. But um, it might mean that someone, um, you make a commitment that you leave the house every day. Whether it's to go for a walk, you go for breakfast with someone, um, because we're all kind of at home now. Um, you can get really creative on how to do these things, but the main thing is you need to identify what is the priority for yourself in terms of self-care. And then how do you get into the habit of doing that? Again, I 100% agree with you. Um, in, in, the, in the retrospect of self-care, there is, like Mary said, there are things where you have, to, you have to set your priorities and you have to know what's important to you. And just like you, Mary, I fell into that trap where when I first started out, it was, I was so gun-ho to work and work and work and just achieving those goals that it was like, oh my God, it's nine o'clock at night. I didn't even eat today. Then I used the bathroom. Like, and it's yes. like, I have, to, I have to get myself in a position where I'm not doing this. And you know what I noticed when I wasn't moving, I would have back aches at the end of the day and my knee would hurt because I'd been sitting in the same position for some time. Yes. Absolutely. The other part to this, and again, I am, I'm learning this, is to pace yourself and to have, it's, it's so easy to say this, but realistic expectations. And I think entrepreneurs, especially, especially ambitious ones, and, and I, <laughs> I'm an, you know, I have, I have ambitions. I'm ambitious. I'm an ambitious thinker, and maybe that's where the the where it causes the the burnout or the fatigue is that we have the idea, but we don't realize how much time and energy it will actually take. So what I tell my clients is, um, if you think it will take you a week to do something, at least triple it like maybe even more, just to give you that leeway. If you think, um, if you have a, a program or an offer and you have the content or even writing a newsletter, cut it back like to half or a third or a quarter to, to what it is that you think is appropriate you got to scale it back. And if you break it down into tinier things, number one, you might have that whole, a uh, lots of ideas for a newsletter article, but you can break it down into four and have four newsletters ready to go. So you can, um, there's, I, I think you have to, the, the pacing is important to allow yourself the time um, like one project a quarter, <laughs> in addition to your client work, you know, the admin, your um, um, financial stuff, like, do you know what I mean? One, one project. And then if you finish it, it's okay. You can pick the next one to work on if you finish early, or you can give yourself the break and go to the next quarter and, and work on your, the next project then. I, I tend to slow people down a lot, and, and that might be frustrating, um, but 
overall, it's good for your, um, it, you won't get burned out. That's actually one of my favorite things about this whole conversation. The first time I reached out and talked to you, Mary, I told you I love, I love the fact that talking to you felt like a slowdown in the pace because so much of what we're seeing in the marketplace is go get it, go get it, go run, 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 go, go, go. And it's like, oh my God, you're going to kill yourself. You have yes. to yourself because this whole thing it's a journey and this quarter you might be going uphill but then the next quarter it might just be maintaining the place that you are and that doesn't mean that you're in a bad place in business it just means that you're learning how to maintain and appreciate what you have and I think that sometimes as entrepreneurs when we get to those places where things aren't like shooting up in numbers shooting up in clients we don't appreciate the moment of just stability and learning how to navigate in that place what would you how do you deal with that, Mary? For you, what, what has been some of those things that's like, I'm enjoying this moment right now? Well, I'm a Capricorn. And in, an interesting fact about a Capricorn is um, they like to scale mountains. <laughs> like they like to take on um, big projects. Uh, and then they get to the top and they forget to give themselves a pat on the back that they've actually scaled the mountain and done it. Uh, so one thing is to celebrate, to build in a celebration for your achievement. And it can be a big one, can be a little one, it doesn't matter, especially if it's been challenging or you, um, it's been a long time coming. Uh, you definitely want to, because what can happen is you can start to look for that next mountain before you've acknowledged the work that you've done and taken the time to regroup, rest before you go back up the next mountain. And um, again, that's been something for me to learn. Um, I, I try to build in the celebration with the project, like even little, little celebrations along milestones. They don't have to be big. They can be, you know, a treat, a coffee, or, you know, going to the cafe and having a coffee, or um, it can be anything that you want. It doesn't have to cost money. Um, but to celebrate is really important. Um, and it will also help slow you down because you need to have that time to do that. And you don't want to just keep ramping. Like, I get that you want to be somewhere, but a marathon runner does not, someone who wants to run a marathon does not just show up at the starting line and run the marathon, you know, the 10K or whatever it is. They just don't. They have to train. They have to build endurance. They have to, you know, hurt themselves and learn that, you know, oh, I pushed myself today. I shouldn't have done that. So I don't think that entrepreneurs can expect just to sh show up at the starting line and run that um, marathon without, you know, a second thought. It's too much on you. It's too high expectation for you to live up to. I have so many questions about that <laughs> because it's so profound. One, for, for 
people who are like, I have a skill and I'm in the, in the marketplace right now, we see a lot of, I have a skill. I know how to make candles. I know how to take photos. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. And automatically that makes me an entrepreneur. Automatically that makes me a business owner. And to a certain degree it does. Um, but the, the part that I, that I'm learning how to even just communicate to the marketplace and even to clients is that because you have a skill that doesn't mean that doesn't make it a business you have to learn how to do business and business is much like having a skill it is it is an acquired skill that you build on over time and uh, the longer that you're running a business the more things you learn because obviously there is challenges about having a business in the 25th year that you don't see in the fifth year there's challenges about owning a business that's generating $10,000 a year that you don't see until you get to, you're making $100,000 a year. Um, how do you convert a skill into a business? Well, here's what I'm going to say to that. First, ask yourself, are you willing to sell that skill? because that seems to be one of the things that trips people up, especially purpose-driven entrepreneurs who are you know, the kind of people that I work with. Thinking about selling the skill, we know you have the skill. Are you willing to sell the skill? Are you willing to talk to people about your skill? Are you willing to talk to people in a way that they understand how they will benefit from your skill? And then are you willing, are you willing to, I'm going to just say, look at the numbers and say, if you can make a living from your skill, if you're willing to do all of those other things, if you are not willing to sell your skill, if you are not willing to, try, you know, to talk openly about your skill, then I would say um, you probably don't have a skill that should be a business. However, if, you're, if you are willing to do, do those things, I think it's really important because I don't think entrepreneurs do this to look at the numbers and see if it can be and do the, the again, they jump right into like the action piece, right? And part of the action is doing research and finding out like, how am I different from, you know, another Reiki practitioner or another um, yoga instructor or whatever florist, whatever you are, whatever business you have? Like, what makes me different? How do I stand out? Um, is there customers for this skill that I have? Um, is the marketplace saturated? And if so, how can I, you know, make May be successful in it. Are the costs of running this business to sell my skill way higher than the money that I would be able to make selling the skill or the product or whatever it is? Um, there's a lot of questions to ask, um, and I'm not sure that everyone takes the time to do that. So it's great that you're you're asking that question. Absolutely. And again, I, you're just saying so many things. So I'm like, I agree with all of this. Um, but I do because like, 
like you said, there's a lot of people who come to the marketplace and I, in uh, most of my clients, this is like the part of coaching that's like, listen, you're going to have to put on your big girl jaws and you're going to have to just, this is one of those things that's a deciding factor about whether or not this is a business. And it's the asking for what you're worth. A lot of time I find that people are under asking what they're worth. And once they're afraid to ask for what they really think they're worth or two, they don't think that they're valuable enough. Um, especially when people come from like a corporate work site, they're like, well, I haven't been an entrepreneur for very long. And I'm like, but you spent 25 years doing the, the very same thing. So what? You've only had one client, but that's been your client for 25 years. That because you left that job, it doesn't mean that you forgot everything you learned about your skill, all of that information and resource, everything you learned on that job for 25 years comes with you. Um, how, how do you help or how would you recommend to entrepreneurs to determine what they're worth and then ask for it in the marketplace? Oh, I did a whole, um, I actually did an interview series on this exact topic. I have a, a PDF available that people can um, like listen. I asked, I think, four people that I've learned from in terms of pricing strategy, how they determined their pricing, what their experience was like. So I can share that with you if that's um, helpful. But, um, oh, there's so many good points here. Let me start with um, uh, how busy do you want to be? Because <laughs> if you want to be super busy, assuming you're a, you know, a service provider, the lower your, you know, you the busier you want to be, you have to have more clients, right? So volume plays a role in this um, equation. So if you are a busy mom of five and, um, you know, you, you need a business, it comes to your business model too, how you're going to structure your business. So you have the time to spend with your family, but you're still, your business is still earning money. That's a different model and a different pricing strategy than someone who um, maybe has a corporate uh, partner that brings in a lot of money. And this, you know, they're still serious about their job, but they're not really in it to make, they don't need to make the 100,000 a year. Um, and they have lots of time, you know, their business model and the way they price is going to be um, different for that as well. So how busy do you want to be? What are your, li your life circumstances? Because if you don't have a lot of time and you're seeing clients, you need to probably charge more so that you have less clients. Um, what? Um, okay, people also only price for like their time, but you have to think about all of the courses you've taken all of the certifications you have, all of the experience you have, that has to go into your price, just like you were saying. Um, just because you are just now starting to be an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you're not highly skilled or that you have qualifications from your corporate or another job. Um, and then there's always the, um, the concept of um, pricing for transformation, which means, um, you know, 
the bigger the transformation you help someone get, in theory, the higher the price it would be. And also, the other thing to think about is um, your price signals to people the commitment that they need to make or it can serve to, to um, do that. So, you know, sometimes you opt in and you, there'll be a tripwire and you get sent to like a $29 uh, ebook or program or something. You know that $29, you probably, it's not going to be a huge commitment of your time and energy because it's not a huge commitment of your money. But if you, um, are hiring someone and they charge $10,000 to uh, create your website. Pretty clear signal that they're taking this seriously and you better take it seriously because you're putting $10,000 into that commitment. So do you see how um, it signals um, you know, your end of the deal? at your end of the bargain, what you're going to need to put in there. It's a serious commitment when the price is higher. Absolutely. One of my favorite quotes goes, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. And I find that to be so true in business that the people who commit more financially, they're to me more serious. They're more committed and they're the ones that's like, I'm on this. Let's get it done. What do you need from me? I find that the people who commit less financially, about 99% of the time, you're running after them like, where's the rest of my money? When are you gonna send me the documents I need? When are you gonna do this? And I try to, and I continue to try to communicate this to clients like, when you're setting your price, you have to also think about the type of clientele that you wanna attract, um, because that's gonna determine the amount of time that you have to commit to that client. And I think you covered that very well, Mary. In terms of just getting to a place where you're like, I'm willing, like I'm okay with charging because I find a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about numbers. And earlier you mentioned about just even before you even say, I want to start a business, look at the numbers, look at what it's going to cost you, look at what it's going to cost you to maintain it, to get it up and going, look at what it's going to cost you to just, not just with money, because oftentimes when we think of cost, we only think about money, but we don't about time as money we don't think about resources as money as even just relationships as money and all of those things are forms of currency how do you or how would you say um, entrepreneurs should be looking at those things and factoring them in terms of the value that they add on them um i think this is comes a little bit to branding and how you want to be perceived as a brand. Are you, I don't believe you should be a high-end brand, you know, charging high prices just for the, for the sake of doing that. Um, however, um, so, so it speaks to me that if you only want three clients a month, for example, you need to charge more to bring in that income. Um, and so then I would be looking at um, how do you make your experience, the, the client experience special? Um, and so there's that part of it. 
But then there's also, I believe uh, it's important in your, on your website, you know, in your marketing materials, that your copy reflects that you, there's a reason why. And it's not that I'm only going to take, but it's not that you want to be inclusive, but you need it to reflect that, you know, when you work with me, um, you are, you pretty much have my full attention because I'm only working with three clients a month. Um, you are allowed to Voxer me or email me at any time in between our sessions. Um, if it's a more like a brick and mortar store, like the experience when you walk in is more like anthropology than, <laughs> than, you know, I don't know in the, what is a store in the U S like a tea, tea, what is the tea? Um, but we have a winners here. Yeah. Like a Walmart. Sure. Um, so that needs to, to come across. You, people need to understand, and it doesn't mean that you have to hit them over the hammer with it. It can be that you, you know, your website is very beautiful. Like, I don't want to say beautiful, but it also does its job of inform. It reflects the type of service you're going to get. When you, someone lands on your website, they know that you are not a Walmart that you are, um, you have a certain standard or a certain level of customer um, service and experience that they will experience by working with you or by interacting with you, buying from you. I think what you just said tied so beautifully into your first statement of when you're, when you're thinking about self-care, that you also have to factor in um, things that are non-negotiables for you. And for example, I'll use myself as the example for this. For me, a non-negotiable is I have to have weekends for family. I have to have evenings for self-development. Um, mornings is that's like my spiritual development. And so I don't schedule appointments before 11 a.m. And I don't work, um, take work calls after 5 p.m. On weekends, I'm totally just out of the realm just because I want to spend time with my husband. I want to spend time with my parents. And those things are important to me. And in doing so, I understand that I sacrifice maybe opportunities that may pay me more money. I understand that I'm sacrificing maybe relationships um, with other people that want that time. But I'm also understanding that I'm making something that adds value to me. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we oftentimes think about, because entrepreneurs, we're givers. We're natural givers. We want to give. We want to add value to the world. Um, but sometimes we don't stop and think about giving to self. And when we do, we oftentimes think it's selfish to give to self. Um, hence, I find that a lot of people find it challenging to even ask for money for their product or service because it's like, well, I want I just want to do good. And it's like, yes, you want to do good, but it's going to cost you money to market your business. It's going to cost you money to have softwares to make the back end run proficiently. It's going to cost you money to have a team that helps you get this stuff done. And if you're not factoring the cost effectively, then ultimately you're gonna end up losing and you're not gonna help anyone. So what are some two or three points that you can say to entrepreneurs when it comes to the very thing of deciding, okay, I'm gonna ask for a price. And um, I, again, we touched on this earlier, but I wanna have you go more in depth to it. When it comes to asking for a price, how do you get to a place of comfortability of saying, this is what I'm asking for, and this, these are the reasons why. 
and be comfortable and okay with it and not feeling like you're basically somehow like, I don't know, um, like you're trading on everybody or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, you have to be comfortable stating the price. And so there's a couple of ways that you can go at this. And one is you can practice with, you know, have a friend or colleague pretend to be a client and take them through the sales process and tell them the price. Sometimes it's a matter of getting comfortable saying it. But on the other hand, if you cannot bring yourself to say that price to a potential client or customer, it, you want to like throw up literally, <laughs> then let's just take the price down a notch to the point that you are comfortable saying it and it feels really good. Now, if it's a significant drop, let's say it's going from 997 to 497, that's like half, then I would also suggest like, what can we change in what you're offering so that it's actually worth 497? Like so that it reflects, so that you're not shortchanging yourself. The other option is, okay, you say to yourself, I'm going to offer this to three people at 497, I'm going to see how they respond to it. I'm going to get their testimonials. I'm going to see that they like loved it and it was worth more probably they're going to tell you because uh, that also usually happens. Um, then after the fourth one, you can either bump it right up or you can even do a step. You can go in between. Um, I think not everyone would agree with me on that, but um, I know that if you cannot say the price, you will not make sales. And that is going to make you feel bad. And then you're just going to get into a little loop of feeling bad about yourself. So I, I personally would rather see you offer, you know, do it at a lower price or cut the program in half and do it at that price and then work your, you know, work yourself up. Um, I've forgotten the question again. <laughs> I get really into the answers. No, you covered it so well. You covered it absolutely well. Um, I do have a question to your point, though, and I know I'm asking you so many questions, but I'm just, like, loving your brains, and I love I, – I told you I love your energy because it's not like most marketers um, where it's, like, really high energy and, like, the whole conversation is about selling, but you're really um, – you're really sharing insightful information that I think, again, I see this, everything that I'm asking you, these are questions that I'm like constantly going through with my clients. Like, listen, we have to get to this place. We have to get to this place. And I think you're hitting, you're hitting everything spot on the head. In, 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 in the marketplace, um, we see a lot of a lot of people trying to figure out how to use the internet, um, which for a very long time, the internet has been a place of business for a very long time. Everything about the internet has been business from day one. Um, but I think now that we're in this place with COVID, a lot of organizations are being forced to, even the ones who said at first, like, listen, no, virtual office space, like that's a no-no. And now it's like, you don't have a choice. Um, 
And so now everyone is looking at the internet like, okay, this, I have to figure out a way to make it work. And we're seeing all types of businesses popping up overnight. And with technology making it so easy for anyone to build a website, anyone to make themselves look professional online, what are some guidelines that you would give to clients to say, these are the things that you need to look for to know that the person that you're working with is one legit. And I know that you covered this earlier when you said that they should be reaching out, they should be having those conversations, they should be asking to maybe speak with previous clients. But even before you get to that place where, because I noticed that people, when they're like, um, oh my God, I want to be an entrepreneur. Oh my God, I'm starting my business. And they're like, oh, just click here and buy this. Click. And you go through these marketing sales funnel before you know what you're like swiping your credit card for everything. You're like, oh my God, what did I spend money on? Um, how do you even avoid from getting to that place where basically excitement and emotions overtake that decision? Yes. Well, I've certainly been there. Um, <laughs> this is how I started my business journey is um, hopping on to webinars and things that I saw. And I'm a curious person. So it's really like tricky for me not to go. I think of them now as rabbit holes. Like I'm going down uh, you know, these rabbit holes to, to investigate. Um, okay. Um, we talked about this before. If you know your strategy for growing your business, you can be proactive in finding exactly what you need to help you do that to support you do that, to do that, versus that reactionary mode of um, seeing something come through on your social media feed and clicking, not even so much out of curiosity, but maybe, it, maybe this is the solution I need. Maybe they, you know, maybe it's a shortcut because this person has already done it and they're so successful and they're making, you know, six figures and whatever else they're saying. Um, but if you know, um, for example, that email strategy is going to be your number one way of building a relationship with potential clients and customers. And this is kind of midway through your pipeline. But still, if you know that that is what you um, are um, going to focus on, then we know, okay, you need an email system. You can start to do the research. You can Google, you know, then you can like, okay, I need an email system. Which one is the right one for me? Well, what am I going to do with it? What do I need it to do? Do I need it to be able to tag people? Do I want it to look really beautiful? What are my needs for that? And then you can start to go out and find it. You can ask in your Facebook group or with your colleagues, you know, I'm looking for an email system that does this, this, and this. Can anyone recommend one for me? And then you can go and look at that one and see, and then you can do the free trial. And then you can have the conversation with the salesperson there to see that that's the right thing for you to choose. That's very different than thinking, okay, I've got a, um, I know I want to engage with um, potential customers. Um, should I have, you know, maybe then somebody pops up and there's a Facebook group training. Here's how to run a Facebook group. And here's how to do 
um, Instagram live videos and, and with the promises that come with it. Um, you're going to go down lots of rabbit holes. And the nice thing is if you choose what is natural, naturally suited to you, you're going to just eliminate so much worry and so much overwhelm and confusion. And um, if you can look at to yourself and say, you know, I love having conversations with people. That means I would probably be a good podcast guest or I might enjoy having a podcast. You still need the strategy behind that, but at least you're choosing, you're eliminating so much else. It's like the blinders, right? On horses. Once you know, you can like say no to so much stuff. And you, you don't have to get sucked down the rabbit hole. Absolutely, absolutely. With, with social media marketing, I find that a lot of people fall into this trap where it's like, get as many likes as you possibly can, get as many followers as you possibly can. And I'm like, yeah, the likes and the followers are good, but you need likes and followers that are within your target audience, within your niche that's actually gonna generate money. So I find that a lot of people get, they go out and just burn out so much time and energy trying to get the likes and the followers. And then when they get it, they don't have a business. <laughs> they're making money. And they're like, well, what happened? They said if I had 100,000 followers, I would make money. And it's like, no. Right. How do you, first of all, how do you focus um, and choose wisely when you're building your followers to make sure that the people that you're aligning yourself with are actually potential customers. I'm gonna go back one step even further and say, is social media the right strategy for you? Social media is a marketing strategy. It is not, it is one marketing strategy. It is not the be all and end all, which I think it has become. So I'm going to be on my little soapbox here for a minute and just say, please think about why you're on social media before or why you need to be if, and if you don't even want to be, you don't have to be. And um, because it is a strategy. And so then the next question becomes, um, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to accomplish on social media? And I agree with you, you know, unless you're going to be a social media influencer, that's a different business model and a different, you know, thing altogether. You need to understand why you are there. And I use the alignment grid to help people understand why they are on social media and what platform would be best for them but then also your question about how do you bring the people the right people to you this is how um it's important even when you're on social media to position yourself correctly there are a lot of people out there who teach marketing who teach you to um do how to how to, you know, uh, lose 100 pounds in 30 days. I'm making it up, obviously. 
um, how to um, get 100,000 Instagram followers in 30 days. And that's appealing, right? Because they're going to tell you exactly what you do. But if you are someone like me who wants to empower people to find their own solution and find their own way to build their business and grow their business in a way that really works with who they are and their lifestyle and all of those things, then you're, you need to position yourself in a different way when you're showing up in your marketing. Someone who is a copywriter who does services for you, an accountant does it for you, that's a different way that you show up in your marketing. And that will help you bring the right people to you in terms of what they're looking for. But then of course you need to have your marketing message so that it's really clear who you want coming to you. And I do worry less about demographics and more about how they're feeling at the time, how they're feeling, uh, what are they thinking, and uh, what do you want them to know? And that's what I would encourage people to think about when they're thinking about uh, what to post and what to share. Also, you don't have, I have a friend who's like really trying to post, but she said to me the other day, you know, what I really like is just meeting people and having conversations with them. And I'm like, well, how about you stop posting so much, like spending so much time and energy posting how about you do more of those reaching out and having a virtual coffee and letting people know what you do? And But there's this kind of like, oh, I have to post. I have to post. I have to get the likes. It's hard to let a lot of that stuff go and do it your own way, but you'll have more success if you do. I I have said that better myself, um, and I, I I I agree with everything you're saying, Mary. And I'm not saying I agree just because oh my God, we're having this conversation. But I'm saying I agree because one, I've actually experienced it myself, um, and I know that it works for me. About two years ago, I had a really big Facebook group, about thirty thousand people in the group, and then I had another group, about ten thousand people in the group, and it was just constant posting and and just all the stuff in the group. And it, I got to a place where I was like, you know what? This is not helping my business. The content I'm posting is helping the people in the group and they're, responding, they're benefiting from it, but it's not helping my business. It's not helping right. that I have for myself. So I deleted the group. I deleted all of my social media things and everybody said, you're crazy. How mm -hmm. could Those were so many people. And I'm like, listen, but it wasn't benefiting the overall goal and strategy that I have for my business. And so I went on like a whole two year hiatus in social media and just about Two months ago, I got back on social media. Even now, if you look at my LinkedIn page, it's there, but there's nothing there. And Facebook, <laughs> there's like nothing there. Instagram, I just started posting. Um, but even then, like you just said, Mary, I realized, you know what? I really don't like this posting stuff, and I really don't care about the likes. I would rather have conversations like this. I would rather just communicate with people and share ideas and connect and collaborate in that manner than to just I don't think it's a waste of time, but if you're not enjoying it and it's not in alignment with your vision, it is a waste of time. So I 100% agree with you. 
I think this has been such a really good conversation. <laughs> I, I can't say enough about this conversation and enough about just speaking with you, Mary. I said it over and over again through the conversation and even to you that your energy and the way that you slow people down and the way that you really just take people through that talk process of business and marketing and strategies, it's in a different way. And I think that it's a breath of fresh air to the marketplace. And I say that confidently. Thank you. Question for you today, Mary. Yeah. And just in case you guys missed the beginning of the intro, this is Mary Strong. She is an amazing marketing strategist. She's based out of Canada. But by all means, take the borders off. And if you're looking for a marketing strategist, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm going to post all of her social media links and website in the description of this video so that you guys can reach out to her if you find her service and need to your business. Um, Mary, my last question for you today is if you can summarize entrepreneurship in one quote what would that quote be oh wow entrepreneurship freedom and responsibility you have a lot of freedom but you have the responsibility to create your own structure to create your own you know vision and a responsibility to the people who need your service to show up and, and talk about what you have to offer so that they know that you're here and available to them to help them or to serve them or to, you know, to give them what they're looking for. Wow. <laughs> I don't think there was a better way to conclude this conversation because again, you took us so deep that, um, I think that's a fascinating quote and I will be quoting it because I <laughs> summarize entrepreneurship on every level, freedom and responsibility, freedom and responsibility. I love it. Um, Mary, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your seeds of wisdom and your insight into marketing strategy. This conversation has been more meaningful and I thank you for your time. In case you guys missed it, this is Mary Strong. She is the amazing marketing strategist that slows people down and help you really think about the perspective of your business. If you're in need of a marketing strategist, don't hesitate to reach out to her. Again, her links are in the description of this video. Thank you guys for watching and have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone.